This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. In today's episode, I speak with Jason Wilson, the series editor of the Best American Travel Writing Anthology, and who has been editing the anthology every year since 2000. Of course, we talk about the 2020 anthology, which comes out on November 3rd and is guest edited by Robert McFarlane. But Jason also gives us a glimpse into the process of editing the anthology, some updated thoughts on the state and the future of travel writing during the pandemic, and some notes on the genre of travel writing. So now, here is Jason Wilson. Jason, welcome back to the podcast. Great. Thanks for uh, having me back. So you are a food and travel writer. You're the author of books like The Cider Revival, Godforsaken Grapes, which I think just came out in Chinese. <laughs> it did. It came out in Taiwan. Exactly. Yeah. It was so cool. Um, and, and Booze Hound. And you're also the series editor of the Best American Travel Writing Anthology since around 2000. So 2000 was the first edition. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So apart from those credentials, and um, I guess in light of our current travel industry woes, uh, how would you describe yourself and, and what you do? How would I describe myself and what I do? I, um, I write about all the unserious things in life, you know, booze and <laughs> travel and all the things people do for fun. Um, yeah. I mean, it's no different. I mean, I'm no, I don't describe myself any different, you know, based on what's in the pandemic than I did before. I still write about all those kind of things just in a different way, I guess now. So um, how has the pandemic changed the way you write about things? Is it just frequency or do you have to take frequency for sure? I mean, I think that, that, you know, anybody who's kind of in travel publishing now knows that, you know, assignments have dried up, you know, you have less, there's less platform. Um, But at the same time, I mean, it's just a different kind of thing. I think, you know, I'm writing more travel memoir, I'm writing more um, domestic travel pieces. And um, like, you know, I just, I'm working on a piece about the Finger Lakes for travel and leisure. And um, I just published this really long essay on kind of my travel memories in the Washington Post magazine last weekend. So I mean, you know, this is this is how it's going right now. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. travel writing. It's just, you know, basically all the changes. I'm, I can't go to Europe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last, last time we spoke, I think back in April at the beginning of uh, the lockdowns, we talked on the podcast about coronavirus and the future of travel writing. And you had some things to say that you described as being uh, pessimistic. And in, in, in the beginning of the new anthology uh, that we're talking about today, you referenced this pessimistic take on what would occur in the travel writing industry. So do, do you have anything to like amend to, to the original outlook now that we're six months past or have things changed? Uh, does the pessimism endure? I guess my amendment would be to differentiate. I think I still am pretty much gloom and doom about, you know, where travel publishing is right now, for sure. We could talk about that. I mean, I think it's, you know, this, this, I still think this is like a really, you know, things are going to change fundamentally because of what's, what's happening. Um, And a lot of publications are not going to be in business. There's going to be, you know, more writers trying to sell stories to 
shrinking outlets. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I, like I came to in the forward of this, I mean, travel writing isn't going to go away. We're still going to do travel writing. It's going to be different. Maybe it's going to be better. So, I mean, I guess that's where I would say, I mean, you know, what, what, are we talking about travel writing or are we talking about travel publishing? Because travel writing is a fundamental human endeavor that will never go away, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we're, we're linking it to the, to the moneyed interest, right? The, the publishing right, right. industry. Um, so that when, if that goes, then I guess many of the financial opportunities for the travel writers, uh, so, so go, right? Yeah. I mean, there's been this kind of undercurrent of, well, you know, we shouldn't do parachute travel writing. You shouldn't send a writer who's never been X to, you know, but never been to this city, to that city to write about, right? You should use local writers. You should use writers that know the city well. Well, you know, this is the golden opportunity for that line of thinking because, I mean, you're pretty much going to be confined to what's close, right? If people aren't flying, they're not able to go to Europe, you know, you can't have unless you live over there. Right. And so mm-hmm. I don't agree with that line of thinking, but I mean, here's like for those people who like believe in that line of thinking, like this should be the golden era of travel writing then, I guess, you know, right. Well, what, what, uh, what, just so uh, I'm curious, what, why don't you agree with that line of thinking about the parachute journalism? Yes. I mean, okay. So for your, your, you know, your work a day service journalism, right. Yeah. Probably, obviously we want somebody who knows something about the place that can give good tips or whatever. Right. But I'm, when I'm talking about the kind of travel writing that I'm looking for, you know, narrative travel writing, it, it's not always quote unquote parachute journalism to send a writer to a place they've never been to before. Right. I mean, that's just like, sometimes that's, it's the writer in a new and strange and different place, you know, foreign place is going to, create some kind of tension and create a good narrative. I mean, that's just what travel writing is about, you know? I mean, and, and I, so, I mean, yes, you don't want to send a bad writer or a lame writer <laughs> on it, on, right? But I mean, like a good writer should be sent places they don't know necessarily. That's travel writing. Right. I mean, the otherwise, I mean, otherwise, what do you, what do you have? I mean, like, you know, I could write about Philadelphia, right? That's not, I wouldn't call that travel writing. It's just like, you know, here are the restaurants I eat at. Like, you know, I mean, it's like, it's that's, just writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just tips. It's just service journalism. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the, the golden age of travel writing. Um, and elsewhere in the introduction, you speculate that now travel writers um, kind of will, will, I guess, embrace new forms and be more experimental and borrow from other genres and, I think you say kind of find um, new approaches. And I wonder like what that might look like. I, I know you, you do a bulk of your um, selection of for the anthology in January um, and in February, but have you been kind of peeking at this year's submissions for next year's? And have you been seeing some of these formal changes or anything experimental emerging in travel writing? I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of essays about meditations on how and why we can't travel. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think, I don't think I've seen a lot of like formal experimentation yet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to answer the first question, uh, yes. I mean, obviously I've been like keeping track of what's going on and there was, you know, we have to remember this year may not actually be the year because a lot of stuff that's going to be published in the magazines, you know, at least in the first six months of the year, well into the summer, were probably written pre-pandemic, you know, right. so there was plenty of typical travel narrative. Right. And, and, and then of course, yeah, there's plenty of stuff dealing with COVID. I mean, I, I think that's the, we, we don't want next year's anthology to be best American COVID writing, right? I mean, it's got to have be something, there's got to be some, even if we're stuck at home still in 2021, which I, I guess we are going, I mean, we are going to be stuck close to home. Um, we want it to be 
still the the book to be offer some kind of armchair travel. I mean, to the to the reader. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I mean, I, of I course, guess- but of course, we're going to have to address. I mean, there's going to be plenty of essays in this that are going to address, you know, these in these times. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, here we are in 2020 with a batch of essays that were first published in the 2019 calendar year. So I guess that's how that operates. So Right, which were probably also, by the way, probably many of them written in the latter part of 2018. Right, and then just kind of like scheduled yeah. out in the editorial right. calendars. Yeah. So can you talk to us about this year's uh, batch of essays, bearing in mind that you know there is another kind of editorial component with uh, your guest editors? Like, um, can you talk to us a little bit about these these new essays? Sure, absolutely. Um, so this is for the 2020 book, the book that's about to come out. Um, yeah, these are all, I mean, everything in this book is definitely pre-pandemic. And I, I, I don't know, I think this book is is one of the more interesting ones we've published over the last few years. Um, it starts off with this really interesting piece by Sam Anderson, which is a profile of Rick Steves, you know, and where he's obviously traveling with him, you know, for the profile. So is it a profile? Is it travel writing? I guess, you know, we, we, you know, we'll get into what is travel writing. Kyle Chayka's like uh, musings on, you know, Iceland, you know, the over-tourism in Iceland, you know, Lacey Johnson's piece on, you know, the how to mourn a glacier, you know, and these two pieces about Iceland are very interesting because Iceland really became like the, the example of over-tourism. You know, a lot of interesting pieces from uh, about um, the border, which was, you know, a, a, you know traveling in the border by um, Alejandra Oliva and Jackie Bryant. And just, I don't know, I just was, like this year I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, the essays. Cool. Yeah. And so, um, we should say that, uh, Robert McFarlane is the guest editor for this year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So how that works is, I mean, not, you know, I'll, I'll pick, I mean, it, it used, I used to, you know, 10 years ago, I would pick a hundred pieces and send them to the guest editor, but there just isn't that many travel pieces in a year that we can get a hundred quality submissions or nominations. So I, Usually do fifty or sixty, depending on the year, and and then the guest editor, in this case Robert McFarlane, will do the final book. You know, and that's mm-hmm. that's how it works. Um, right. And we have a, obviously a lot of conversation about that. You know, with the, the guest editor and I usually, and um, and then we have you know the two dozen that appear in the book, and so yeah. that's how it works. Very simple. Yeah. So um, Robert is is a great writer, and from what I hear, also a really great guy. Super um, nice might, guy. Yeah. It might be self-evident at this point, but um, can you talk to us about like why or how you chose uh, Robert to be the guest editor? W- were you looking for like a nature writing emphasis or how did that work out? I wasn't looking for, I, I mean, I never choose the guest editors based on like, oh, what's the emphasis going to be? Mm-hmm. So Robert McFarlane then was a, is, a, is a great choice because nature writing is the close cousin to travel writing. And we are in in McFarland, We already have a writer then who has revolutionized that genre, right? I mean, that that's like it, it's you know there was a whole new wave of like new nature writing in Britain, you know, in the last ten years, and he was like one of the main, if not the main, writer doing that. And you know, one of the things when he and I were talking about this early on was he sent me an email saying, you know, I, I I'm really excited to see what's going on in writing about place right now. So, I mean, he saw this as writing about place, which is great. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I think that like that to me is the way to think about travel writing. He was, so he was like perfectly in line with what, uh, you know, creating a great anthology and he, and he did, this is, a, this is a really good one. 
Yeah, you said that the nature writing and travel writing are close cousins, and I I remember the first book of Roberts that I read was the um, the Mountains of the Mind, and man, that's such a such a wonderful book, and it it does have a travel component, but it's 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 weird, it's academic, it's it's beautiful, it's nature writing, it's travel writing, it's all these things combined. It's hard to to put your thumb on it, and I don't know. I think that's one of the the, the hallmarks of, of a great book is that it somehow kind of evades any sort of category or or a label. Yeah. I mean, evading categories and labels is a really good thing for writing in general to do, right? I mean, I think it's like what I'm hoping is what what is in this anthology. You know, I mean, I think that this anthology should really be, you know, um, an annual kind of check-in with like where the where travel writing is. What is it? Like what, you know, what and 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 you know, it sh- it should change. Like, you know, picking up the 2002 edition, sh- it, the the travel writing of, of that era should seem different than the travel writing now. Mm-hmm. It should be difficult to say what is travel writing even after you've read it. It should be more of, you know, hopefully people read these and go, oh yeah, these this is really great 24 examples of travel writing, but at the same time, I think they should be hard pressed to really come up with a, a solid working definition that, you know, that fits every single story. Yeah. And some of the, the, some of the academics and the, you know, the travel writing scholars, you know, debate what is travel writing and they have such a hard tra- time trying to put a label on it um, because it is constantly evolving. And now we have uh, nature writing that's arguably, you know, part of that tradition. You know, what is it? Um, how do we define it? And I think that, chameleon-like quality of it is what makes it such a powerful form and genre. Absolutely. I mean, it's a genre. It's genre writing, right? I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this in the last one. You know, there's certain aspects that, you know, that, that are generic conventions that we, we, you know, we, we expect from travel writing, you know, it has to be, I mean, I I guess, I mean, even that I'm like thinking, as I say, is that true? I mean, but you know, so, but it like, it has to be about a place of some kind. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, if, if the, if the, Genre is going to be something that's dynamic and exciting and it's going to keep people's interest. You know, it, it obviously it, it can't be bound by, you know, an easily defined something that's easily defined by critics. Right. It's it's just not something that, that's not good for the genre. If we say like, oh, this is travel writing and this isn't right. That's just a right. That's a that would be the death of the genre, I would think. Yeah, which, which is interesting because in your, in your forward um, kind of near the end of it. Uh, I guess every year in the, in the four towards the end, you you call on editors and publications to submit for next year's anthology for consideration, right? And what I thought was striking, and I I didn't go back to the earlier volumes to compare whether or not you put this in in, in all of them, but you you say something like, um, yes, yeah, submit submit us submit to us uh, the publications for for next year's anthology uh, of travel writing, and you say whatever you define travel writing is the wider, the better. I think that's a quote, the wider, the better. Um, so I was wondering, like, how do you define travel writing and, uh, or rather, like, why do you refuse to define it? Just a quick note, and we'll get right back to the episode. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app or consider supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com support. Thank you. I totally refuse to define, totally refuse to define it. I mean, like, like I'm not here to be, you know, like, 
I'm not here to say like, this is travel writing and this is not right. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that would just, that would be a fool's errand, I think. So, but yeah, but to get to answer your question though, I mean, that, that, I don't know if the exact phrasing is the same, but I mean, it's been in there for the whole time, if not maybe in the beginning, but I mean, it's in, been in there for many years, right? Just, just for the people, to, whatever, you, whatever the editor defines as travel writing, send it my way, you know? And mm-hmm. some of the best pieces for this anthology don't come from like the feature well of travel magazines. I mean, that's, that's just always been the case. I mean, often, even in a travel magazine, it's going to be some strange department piece that's, you know, about somebody's personal passion of, you know, where the, of a place or a quest or some kind of, you know, pursuit they have. But then there's also, I'm looking at profiles. I'm looking at reported pieces, you know, I mean, that's, so I'm just saying like, that's, I think sometimes some of it is, is a literary criticism that is somehow becomes, you know, a, a journey. So I'm leaving it up to the people who want to nominate essays to define it for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not really that interested in defining travel writing at all. Like that's, I mean, yeah, I'm interested in kind of like, st- if anything, like stretching the definition, if there is a definition, but then I don't think there is a definition. So I guess here we are. Yeah. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, like y- you are kind of categorizing. Um, I, I, I don't mean this to be a kind of like a, a challenging question. I'm just saying Please, that. Please challenge. Yeah. When, when, when you kind of separate and collate and, and, you know, select or, you know, compile a list of, you know, the best travel writing that some way is kind of trying to articulate what travel writing looks like at a current point in time right so it is i i think like sort of like making a declaration of like these are exemplars of of the genre and not directly but perhaps indirectly affixing labels on on what travel writing is um but without kind of going there like what are the mechanics of of selecting these essays like in january do you have like piles of magazines and and journals like laying around your desk and you just kind of thumb through them or i mean yeah, I mean, less so now, but I mean, for years, it's been like, that's how it goes. I mean, yeah. people send things, writers and editors send. I mean, writers know when they've written a good piece. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, obviously, I, I get a lot of kind of submissions that are not, you know, they're not going to get into the book. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always surprised how when a writer who they know when they've written a good piece. I mean, writers that have written lots of pieces during the year and they're like, send this one because they think it would be, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, and, and it's surprising sometimes like who does send things, you know, and, and editors of course are always, I mean, I'm getting magazines cause I'm once at this point I'm on comp subscription list. And yeah. So, I mean, I, I do like working with the hard copies and, for years, the publisher like insisted that we had tear sheets, you know, for everything. And then that's, they still do actually. And they're still living in another era, I guess. But, you know, it's as you would imagine, I'm mean, just like yeah. reading stuff, you know, like that. Yeah, so yeah. it's not that that's the, that's, it's, it's kind of like not that interesting. It's like just me reading stuff and, and then sending it on and then the guest editors reading it. How many Negroni steep nights do you have? <laughs> <laughs> that is the joke for the well, listeners. Well, if I've done my work, if I've done my work during the, yeah, it's for Negroni Twitter, right? It's like, yeah, so it's, <laughs> if I've done my work during the year, there's not that many, you know, but if I leave it all to the end of the year, because I'm busy, then January is usually a disaster. So 
um, but what's weird is like January is also the month I, every, I mean, probably not this year, but I mean, I'm almost always traveling in January because it's so cheap to go, you know, like to Europe and stuff. So that's usually when I'm like doing some research on something, right. Doing some reporting. So I, I really, I, you know, I should definitely not leave everything to the last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, and you kind of already answered this, but you know, just to follow up, you know, when, when you sit down with all of your essays and you, you kind of say that you don't have anything in mind, you're not looking for anything specifically, but maybe you are like, are you, are, are you looking for what, what is it that you're looking for in these essays? If at any, if anything, like, are you looking for just a great story? Are you looking for great reporting? Is it just, you're looking for something that stands out, something singular? Yeah. I mean, some, yes. I mean, all of the above. I mean, it's storytelling, voice, an approach that stands out. I think one thing about travel writing that's different than other genres is like the, the conception of the journey is important, right? Like, you know, coming up with an interesting journey is part of it. I know there's this sort of sense, well, you can write a, you can write a travel essay about anywhere. You can write a travel essay about your own backyard or your, your bedroom or your neighborhood. Yeah, true. But you also have to have a good approach to it as well. Like, you know, that's that's still relevant, right? You can write a great travel piece about your backyard, but how did you conceive the journey, right? That's like that. I think that was one thing that makes travel writing different. A good idea of a journey is going to combine with great writing is going to really make something stand out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like in a way, in a yeah, way, it's different than, than than other than other literary genres, right? It's not just only about the writing. It's 95% about the writing, but like the conception is part of it too. Yeah. I, I recently, now we're kind of talking about books here, but I recently uh, reread uh, Calling Through Bronze to a Mountain in Tibet. And, you know, this is a great book where he walks around uh, Mount Kailash and in Tibet and you're going on this pilgrimage. But, you know, what strikes me is you know, the, the, the angle or, or the quest is simply not him going to walk around the the mountain. I mean, that's a part of it, but it's there, there's a, a deeper, more kind of emotional component, a, um, kind of this, what would they say, what they call the inner journey of, the, of travel writing. It's, you know, we have this personal quest that makes the external journey or the travel kind of infinitely more complicated and, and enriching and, and, and different, right? Um, and I think maybe that's what you're talking about, like the angle or the approach or the the stated quest, why somebody's doing something. Yes, the stated quest. That's a good way to put it. I mean, and because are you able to state that quest, right? There is there is this generic convention in travel writing of the why I went, right? And it kind of has to be in there, you know, there. And, and yes, there is always, there always has to be this tension between the <laughs> exterior and the interior journey, right? I mean, that's like, that's like, I guess that's one of those things. It's it's a it's a convention of the genre, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's all part of it. I when I was younger, I used to be a lot more. I don't know. I was really snarky towards the why I went because it's like you could get to the third paragraph of a travel piece, or you know, you, the second after the section break, the first paragraph or the after the section break, and it's like, oh, here it is. Here's the why I went. You know, <laughs> ever since I was nine years old, I loved. I read books about Greenland, and I was obsessed with Greenland. And so then I finally got a chance to go to Greenland, right? You know, and it's like that. That was that kind of like really ham-handed why I went sucks it's terrible right and it's you see it all the time but there is a but i think 
I've come to realize that how the writer it, it handles that why I went in a piece of travel writing is really where a lot of the literary skill is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like I, I was um, kind of thinking about this and these tropes and these conventions um, in, in, for 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 books, and you know, I was flipping back through Theroux's Railway Bazaar, and his why I went uh, was was it just kind of. It comes and it goes. And he says opening lines where he's talking about like listening to the train horns in in northeastern United States and always wanting to be on trains. And then he just found himself on a train. And, you know, yeah, well, I mean, those, those dudes got away with a, like a pretty, pretty thin, like, you know, why I went. Right. I mean, but that was just the era. Right. It was like, yeah, I always loved trains. And then I took a train to Patagonia or whatever, you know. So, right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But that's right. great because like, you don't need to always, you know, justify things in those ways. He's like, I, you know, I wanted to go on a train train ride and well, I met <laughs> I met people, you know, so it, it's kind of like this interesting subversion. You know, now like we, we see a, a common trope where um, travel writers are talking about their interests, these kind of like oddities and these cabinets of curiosities and, you know, going back to childhood as inspiration for a later journey. It's, it's kind of a, a trope that we see often. I know. And it, 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 it's not organic. Like, I mean, there's lots of great travel writing that's done of like, you know, maybe from uh, second or third generation who, you know, some, somebody whose family immigrated to America who is like, obviously this place has always been part of the family history and part of the sort of the conversation of the family for years. And then they finally get a chance to go there. Like, Oh, that's a different kind of, but like, just going back to child. I mean, everybody, I don't know go, that going back to childhood and like a place you were obsessed with as a child for most people is like, mm-hmm. that's a little dicey. It's a little, it's good and bad. It's kind of like when, you know, like a lot of photographers just have like a rule. Like, I don't want to take photos of children when I tr- like travel photographers. I don't want to take photos of children. It's like, it's too easy, you know, in a way, like it's too easy to like to tug at those heartstrings. Right. And it becomes a little hackneyed, you know? And so, yeah, anyway, I mean, that's, I, so you yeah, see, I, but you do see a lot of that. Like, uh, that's why I, I use that as my example. It's like, Oh, well, I've, I've always been obsessed with Iceland. And then I finally got to go, you know, that, that, that happens so much in travel writing. Yeah. I wonder what we're going to see. You know, I was thinking you'd mentioned in, in your forward something about the travel writing that came out um, between the, the the two world wars. I mean, this being like the great one of the great periods of, of travel writing in English, at least. And you mentioned this kind of explosion of publications and, and books. Uh, and I, I guess some of the tropes that we see in some of these books is, you know, these writers who just are like so. I don't know, frustrated or fed up with modern life. And, you know, they didn't want these traditional jobs. So they just decided to, you know, pack up and leave and, you know, head to the hill, so to speak. Um, And it's, it's kind of a trope, like avoiding the cubicle life or something like that. And I, I wonder if now, because of the pandemic, we're, we're starting to see a lot of, (laughs) we will start to see. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know, Jeremy, I mean, like what's the most, like the show everybody's talking about right now is Emily in Paris. And it's like, people used to, I mean, have you seen this show on Netflix? Like, you know, it's about this and it's like, I don't know, young people used to go to Paris to be artists or, you know, writers or Uh work in fashion or a chef. Like she's like, 
I'm going to Paris to work in marketing, you know, and it's like, <laughs> okay, be an well, influencer. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I think that, 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 that like show may have some, I mean, I'm not going to try to unpack it here. And there's lots of discourse about this. You can go to, go to Twitter, you know, and just type in Emily in Paris. You can find all, you know, millions of tweets of this discourse. But I mean, I think though, it says something about our conception of like, where we are in like travel and our understanding of, uh, you know, other cities and other countries and stuff. Like it just, I don't know. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see what, what, what happens with the publishing space, but you know, it's fun to, to think about and to talk about, especially from, you know, the standpoint of form and, you know, well, nerds, I guess like you and me, um, like to talk about these things and no one else <laughs> yeah. likes to probably. Exactly. Um, well, look, we're, we're getting close uh, to time here. And I, I realize now that we didn't say this. Um, when, when is the new anthology slated to, to be published? The pub date is election day. So that's okay. really great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, you know, there'll be other things that we'll be concerning ourselves with on that particular day, but you know, in the weeks after <laughs> the best American travel <laughs> writing 2020 will be available. Uh, I, I don't want to keep you much longer. Do you want to just uh, close us out and let us uh, know where we can find you online and how to connect with you? Yeah, sure. I mean, anybody, you can go to my uh, my website, which is just my name, jasonwilson.com. And um, uh, you can go see, so I've been writing lately for a lot for Heated. You can check out some pieces I've been doing on Medium. And uh, your socials are on that website. So uh, we'll just uh, leave it at that. And Thanks for coming back onto the podcast, man. It's, it's fun to talk to you as always. Definitely. And, always fun to talk to you too. You can find the episode show notes and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com support.